0: All right, welcome everybody. We're back here in Studio B, doing the pollinate sessions. And uh, those of you that don't know what pollinate is, well, go back to school and uh, learn something, and uh, quit bothering the teacher quite so much. Uh, We're here today with Greg Ruth, who is our, we are proud to say, our cider maker extraordinaire. Um, He's brought the A game to Wilson's hard cider production, and um, is about to get ready to get schooled up in sweet cider production. Um, and uh, we re- welcome him with open arms and uh, empty wallets these days. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, great to have you around, Greg. Great Appreciate to have that. you on board, and, and great to be sitting here shooting the shit and drinking a little cider. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers yeah. to you. So- hey, ready. Oh, go ahead, sorry. Tell us a little bit about your road to ciderdom. I mean, what what brought you to cider? What brought you to Wilson's? Yeah, um, a
1: um, little bit of a windy road, I guess. Um, we'll say I started drinking cider when I was twenty-one. We'll say that. <laughs> we'll leave with that. <laughs> yeah, we'll leave it at that. Um, but. Uh, yeah, so I moved to D.C. after college, grew up in the Midwest here in North Dakota, uh, moved to D.C. after college to work for a, a design-build firm as their uh, draftsman, draftsman, head designer and draftsman. Um, this and is a windy road. It is a windy road, yeah, yeah. I ramble a lot, by the way. That's so. That's good. That's <laughs> so good. <sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, get a
0: few ciders in you, we may get some real curves in the road. <laughs> exactly. Uh,
1: but yeah, so... You know, stuck it out for about seven years in that job, um, and I guess on paper, being an architect is great. You know, you can every, you know, use your design elements and, and, and artistic flair and all that, but at the end of the day, when, you're somebody, when it's a homeowner's money, they want what they want, and they mm. don't care <laughs> if you went to school or not. They don't, you know. So that wore me down a little bit, um, and I was ready for the next adventure. And i was actually in the early stages of looking to move to scotland and get a just a crap job at a distillery because i love scotch and was like that would just be fun that'd be a fun adventure to do and and learn a craft actually create something i mean i designed hundreds and hundreds of projects so you could say i you know i had a hand in it but i wasn't building it right It was our our uh, carpenters that were actually building it I would get out to the job site maybe once or twice a quarter and then try not to fall off rafters is basically all I was doing. Um, But anyway, so I had two really good friends, still really good friends, uh, that I met in D.C. who had moved to the Bay Area. uh, This is probably 2012. um, And they had decided to start up a cider company and they asked me to join them. And this is just it all happened right within me getting ready. Not like I I had just started looking at at visas, the visa process. So I wasn't too far down the road at all with Scotland. Um, And yeah, it was really cute. Uh, When we sat down, it was right around Christmas. They were back in D.C. for Christmas and they they put together a really well thought out business plan, presented it to me in a binder and all that. And they made the mistake if they wanted me to read it uh, of saying we want to start a cider. They, they just presented it without getting into the nitty gritty. And I was like, yeah, I mean, like without even opening <laughs> it. They put in hours of work, didn't care. I mean, I don't care. Um, bootstrap company. Uh, so we all lived together uh, in, a, in a actually really nice size apartment in San Francisco or the Bay Area. What's nice think. size, like four by yeah, eight? Yeah, exactly, or? about the size of this <laughs> yeah. roof. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, But yeah, so started a company out of San Bruno, California, um, super urban uh, fermentation space, about 2,000 square feet, and just sort of built it from the ground up. They're still going, going uh, as strong as you can with with COVID Mm. happening right now. Um, But yeah, in the end of 2019, decided I'm ready for that next step, if you will. Um, We brought on, uh, at South City, we brought on a... A former head brewer of um, actually one of the, my favorite breweries in the Bay Area called Free Will Brew Co. Um, we brought her on to we didn't poach her she took some time off and was ready to get back into the beverage game. Brought her on to sort of phase me out. So Alicia is her name Alicia Jen and Tim War are all sort of heading up the production there and rocking out um, those modern style ciders that we were doing. Um, me myself. Uh, yeah, I was just the, looking through job postings and all that, uh, was had the opportunity to potentially move to Korea to work for a cider company there at the worst time in, in potentially human history. I don't know. <laughs> uh, and unfortunately the time with that in this global pandemic just wasn't the right move. So luckily <laughs> for everybody here and for me, I mean, I'm, I'm loving this so far. Um, uh, yeah, just found a posting. Um, you might wanna to talk to whoever does the job postings, I don't know if that's Jacob or what, but uh, I had to search cider jobs, not hard cider jobs, mm-hmm. to find the Wilsons posting. <laughs> but came across that, and uh, and yeah, I guess the rest is history. We uh, interviewed on, a, what, late April? And uh, my first day, like it was like late to mid to late April, and first day was June 1st. So <laughs> found yeah. a car, found an apartment, <laughs> and it was like, Yeah. So that's,
0: that's how I got That's how I ended up here to answer that. So what, what's interesting about cider to you? I mean, as you know, there's lots of tipples out there, right? Um, what, what, what makes cider near and dear to your heart? Uh, for me, uh, it's, it's that
1: call romantic story. And we've talked about this a little bit. Um, you know, I was—I honestly sort of had a crisis of faith, if you will. You know, at the end of 2019, just really figuring out what the heck I want to do, what's the next chapter look like, and it did. It ultimately came right back around to cider because it is that the founding fathers of this country, um, you know, started this. They drank it more than than water. They drank it. You know, uh, what Thomas Jefferson woke up and drank uh, a gallon, I think, before <laughs> lunch or something. Something. The gallon might be a lot, but. Um, and unfortunately, with with the way history played out and uh, the temperance movement and all that, what we call hard cider now, what used to just be called cider, was basically wiped out in America and replaced by by juice. Um, and all those beautiful old trees and orchards just burned to the ground. Um, and as you well know, it takes time and money to plant those trees and wait for them to fruit. And it's a lot easier just plant, plant grain if You're trying to make some alcohol. Just plant some grain and make some some whiskey, and you're good to go, or beer. Um, yeah, it's it, it, I I get drawn to that. That is what sort of brings me back, and and really trying to, um. Just yeah, make the best cider we can. What what the beautiful thing that I forgot to touch on is uh, one thing that I did know in my cider journey before coming here is I wanted to be closer to an orchard. And it's not to knock cider companies that don't have a direct source to apples. Uh, in my mind, as long as you're doing right by the apple, by the fruit, and trying to source it as as best you can, um, a lot of people, you know, get from the West Coast or or Michigan or I think even Pennsylvania might be a apple producer state. Uh, New York definitely up there. But uh, as long as you're doing right by the fruit, I I, I think you're doing doing right. Um, but for me in my journey, I. Was ready to actually be involved with the pressing season, you know, getting gearing up for what is it? I've been, the saying goes, I've been here for like five years, but like three seasons or it's everybody counts (laughs) their seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So I'm ready for my first season. Um, And really talking with you, getting, learning with you and Kyle about what actually, you know, what makes what we're drinking, you know, unique and whatnot. So, um, again, I'm rambling but uh yeah it's that story i think that's what keeps drawing me back and there is something whether it's it's alcohol or you know i love to entertain so i, I love to cook as well but mm-hmm. there's something there there's something that uh, no matter how stressful it is because it's more often than not always going to be stressful and super not glamorous i'm covered in yeast nutrient <laughs> you know <laughs> right now um but knowing that you know all that stuff that we ferment and take the time to mature however we wanted age agent on oak blah 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 is going to be a part of somebody's hopefully their celebration you know um you know we have a wedding coming up here hopefully it's still on um that they're reserved a keg of old blue so you know we're producing something that they love so much that that they want specifically at their wedding that keg which is pretty cool um and so to be a part of that in the grand that meta is, that, is, that is the grand meta scheme? I, guess. I, forget I believe that's that. right. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, it is pretty darn cool,
1: um, I think.
0: Yeah, I think, I, I think that's right. I, I, I buy into that. The, the thing that I find interesting about cider, one of them, uh, outside of the historical sort of context that we're at here in America and as a derivative of sort of our English, German, Irish, French heritages by and large, Um, is that you know you 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 have the beer industry which thank god is you know gone back to its local roots and its regional roots and producing beers that are just cranking you know I mean that that industry is just so much better than it was when I was a you know again at 21 of yeah, course yeah. Starting, to, starting to experiment with it yeah. um, you know the the sort of it had become the the uh, the the Miller you know you could drink Miller or Bud or, or mm-hmm. something equally yep. kind of lame um, but now there's great beers mm-hmm. and likewise the whole California resurgence and and the, the development of great wines uh, mm-hmm. not just in America of course not, by a long shot but around the world you have access to great wines yep. that are you know produced at vineyards and and uh things but i think cider is just such an interesting product because unlike beer it is something that you can grow the fruit and produce a product from the stuff you know i mean breweries don't generally grow barley yep. Um, yep. you know they're they're it's just not a, a thing <laughs> wineries do but uh, wine is uh, a little more of an exclusive product by and large. Mm-hmm. And I think cider sort of combines, to me, the best of wine, mm-hmm. which is, you know you can do an estate product uh, with the best of beer, which is it's a common person's drink mm-hmm. uh, in a large way. And I just find, you know, personally, it it, it goes down really good. It's a really refreshing product. Um, but also on a philosophical level, it just it's it's crank to be able to, Uh, take an apple like a gold rush or a Macintosh or whatever or a uh, you know a debonet and produce something that is different year to year for one thing you know there is difference in terrar Mm -hmm. Um, certainly i mean growing up in michigan i can truly represent that a um Sweet Sixteen or Song of September, mm-hmm. uh, grown there or here, is a different animal. I mean, it just is. This mm. this area grows a certain kind of apple really well and uh, and very flavorful. And the products that we can make are different because of that. I think that's just great. And that is that all because of the
1: just the weather we get is a little more I think its temperament temp, temperament. Yeah. Temp- yeah. I
0: mean, <laughs> I mean, let's just be. Clear here, Mm -hmm. you know. Midwestern people are are the core of the earth. I mean, it's just a fact. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody Mm recognizes that, and that's because they have to put up with bullshit weather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, we have really cold winters. Really high today is what, like ninety-five degrees and something about one hundred and eighty percent humidity, something like that out there. I mean, it just it just melts you outside. I definitely forgot how uh, humid.
1: Yeah. Humid. The Midwest gets yeah, uh,
0: especially humid. corn season yeah. around here. Yeah. You know, and irregardless uh, of the fact that we lost something like forty percent of our corn crop because of the derecho, the the uh, it's still pumping a lot of humidity in the mm-hmm. air around mm-hmm. here. But, anyways, I mean, you know, it, it it isn't a great climate. Let's be honest and uh, and but it makes interesting people. I think maybe it makes us all a bit loony, but it also it challenges plants and i think as a result what we're learning more and more is challenges to plants result in certain uh components in the fruit or the grain or whatever that is Mm -hmm. and uh, i think with apples it's very clear that Mm -hmm. that that uh stress creates a certain kind of profile in a lot of these apples Um, we don't grow apples very well that can't handle heat Okay. Um, we don't grow apples very well that can't handle really cold winter temperatures but if you're within that range uh, between those two goalposts we can grow a fruit that tastes as good as anything you'll find anywhere I think mm-hmm. in terms of apples
1: and is it generally or is it just variety specific or is it generally like Iowa grows more tart or sweet or or is it just specifically mm-hmm. the, the...
0: what's well, kind of interesting so if you look and, and, and I'm, you know, my dad was a, a, a big time fruit procurer and grower. Um, and he traveled all around the Midwest procuring fruit and um, apples in particular. And he used to tell me that, you know, like Missouri grows great Jonathans, you know, mm-hmm. and Michigan grows a lot of Jonathans too, but the Jonathans in Michigan are tartar. Mm-hmm. um than the Jonathans from Missouri and they're smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, so Missouri Jonathans are known for just really good eating. you know mm-hmm. they're they're kind of a nice balance between tart and sweet. Um, I think what I've seen in Iowa so far is compared to Michigan which has a very uh you know, I mean the climate is so dictated by the Great Lakes because mm-hmm. that tempers the the big ups and downs. You don't get these huge swings hot, cold, hot, cold. You get more of a steady state you know fluctuations and i think the fruit grows well there it's uh, more consistent in terms of bloom and fruit set and things like that but you never develop some of the really high-end notes i believe okay you know i i think what we get here is lower yields but when you hit you really hit yep. you know like a, a gold rush that's finished properly in iowa i think is just about hard to imagine how that fruit could get that much better okay. you know now that's not true of every fruit you know mm-hmm. but i think um like i say stuff that can't handle heat in particular doesn't do well here but gotcha. stuff that can we we grow it well and i think we flavor it well mm-hmm. um so yeah and and as a result i think that's our process you know our, our journey as we go forward is let's figure out you know what have we been here like um, 12, 13 years now that, that we've been growing fruit here. I mean, Wilson's been around longer, but since we started planting apple trees, having acquired Wilsons in our other orchard, um, we, we've we been planting stuff out and, and feeling our way rather blindly sometimes. Um, what do we need to be planting? What do we really excel at, right? right? And I think that's one of the things that I look forward to you with mm-hmm. is, let's figure out what we're really capable of doing because, you know, we have been i think not as sophisticated as we could be in terms of how we manage the yeast Mm -hmm. to bring out like you know Mm -hmm. like you said you know how how are you treating that apple are you are you really bringing out its full potential Mm -hmm. and i don't think we have been Mm -hmm. so i'm super excited i go back to the fact that to me the best cider we ever made bar none was a gold rush It was a barrel of 55 gallons, and maybe it's nostalgia and stuff like that. Maybe it was just, it was freaking cold that day. And we had this stuff, and it was like the 23rd of December. And we had pressed it, fermented it, and let it sit, Mm -hmm. and didn't know what the hell we were doing. And we dug into that on it was the day, it was the 23rd or 24th. And we had been pruning and pruning and pruning, and we dipped into that i tell you it just opened my eyes to cider that was my aha moment for cider was like god this is really freaking good yeah
1: the uh the, the thing that i just to draw in sort of how you how iowa and 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 the weather and all that plays a part in it like for me that's where i nerd out in in cider is is the fermentation um yeah, it's like what what tempered the temperature that you ferment at the the nutrients they add when you add the nutrients all that plays a part in stressing the yeast. Um, generally, you don't want to stress your yeast, but uh, if you do in certain ways, you can you can really let that let that shine through. Hopefully, let the apple come through more. But the other thing too is yeast uh, selection. That's one thing we're, we haven't really you know. I'm September one will be my third month here, so. Right now I'm just trying to get, you know, things geared again, first season starting basically, we're pressing on Monday, so, so strap in, uh, but, um, yeah, once, you know, once we get through this season and I can, I'm still blindly optimistic that it's going to be no stress and just super easy, smooth sailing, uh, but, uh, we'll see how long that lasts, um. But yeah, really really trying to figure out especially when we get to these cider varieties. Like I've never I've never fermented a cider specific um, fruit and I hopefully we didn't lose too many. Yeah. With I the derecho, yeah. but um yeah. but I did lose some. Yeah. But, yeah. And yeah. I'll say Mike um uh I feel bad I forgot his last Bert. name. Bert. Bird or Bert. 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 Um, you know, he's brought in a bunch of wild stuff, you know, when he's running the press, he'll take some yeah. home and just let it ferment. Yeah. And even that we were just talking before we started, uh, the mics up, uh, about that wild ferment gold rush y'all mm-hmm. did before I got here. And then I, that's, I'm, I'm super excited one to do some of just large scale wild ferment stuff, but then also, um, get a house culture. Cause that, that stuff is tasting beautiful to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can just, you know, get that Saccharomyces strain that just sort of is living all around us and, and have our own house culture that we can... It might not be right for, for easy-drinking, crushable ciders, um, but, you know, that that layer of complexity and, and still maintaining a bunch of fruitiness was was pretty exciting for me on a, in a nerdy yeast way.
0: Well, and that is one of the challenges we face, is that, um, you know, I mean, Iowa is not... Oregon or Washington mm-hmm. or New York State, um, there's a lot. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot more history there mm-hmm. with the revival of cider. It sort of started on the coast, especially on the west coast, and they have developed a lot more of a following for some of the drier ciders and stuff mm-hmm. that I would just say in in Iowa we haven't seen as much of yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so as we move forward, I think our challenge is keep going with the crushable stuff and the, the easy drinking stuff. But on the other hand, you know, for instance, we've got a, a really nice crop on a whole 10 trees of <laughs> Kingston Black this year. Mm-hmm. I am super excited. Kingston Black is one of the ones that's that's often cited as a really nice single varietal cider. <laughs> um, dryer, tannic, um, and it'll just be great to, to, you know, and we may not get it right this year or we may who knows Uh, but it'll be fun as hell to to see what we can do with some of these uh, with a wild ferment which is what Mm -hmm. you know most of the better english ciders certainly Mm -hmm. french ciders and spanish ciders pretty much all of them are well fermented yeah um so yeah developing our own culture and and trying to learn how to work with these varieties is is really exciting i think Uh, I mean if nothing else, we're gonna have some damn good cider to drink. Whether exactly. the hell anybody yeah. watching this gets <laughs> yeah, yeah, any exactly. of it. Well that's yeah. their, their problem.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and if it goes wrong, we'll just uh what is it, cold? Make some of that uh what is the alcohol that we that we freeze? Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, well we yeah. probably better not talk about yeah, that right? out there. <laughs> Personal <laughs> consumption.
0: Um Yeah, but we do look forward to to uh seeing how that works out. You know, we've got Oh, I'm sure we have at least 80 to 100 varieties still um, of different apples, of which there's probably 30 or 40 that are really strong candidates for making some good ciders. Yes. And uh, I think just having Gold Rush, uh, we grow a lot of Gold Rush, a lot of Dabonet, some Yarlington Mill, um, and then a bunch of other English and French cider varieties. Um, but we also grow some pretty interesting stuff like Liberty, for instance, uh, that makes a pretty nice cider mm-hmm. uh, that we've seen and some others as well. So it'll be interesting to see how uh, over the next few years. Um, the problem, of course, is this, that, um, you know, we also make sweet cider and then we have, uh, have apples that, that need harvested and everything mm-hmm. kind of comes in a big a big crunch yeah. and uh and it's easy to say oh yeah we'll just we'll get to that later right mm-hmm. instead of paying the time and attention to, to really make that happen when it's the right time to do it yeah. Yeah. so yeah you won't need a lot of sleep anyways right
1: yeah, i'm young still it's overrated i got, I got nothing going on yeah, These go. <laughs> bars are closed you know? yeah that's like, right they just closed the bars yeah. here so what the hell are you gonna yeah. do
0: yeah. I just go home watch youtube videos and <laughs> there you go we can just put a hammock up in yeah. the cider bar perfect <laughs> yeah. it's couch we're good hey let's dip into this this is uh yeah. so this is eden's yep uh heritage cider um Tell us a little. What do you know about this one? What I know about it is I'm horrible
1: with names, and I'm gonna. I really want to say her name's Ellen, and I'm going to catch a lot of flack for forgetting her name. Um, but yeah, so this is a small uh, cidery um, out of Vermont. Uh, they started with, if I remember correctly, they got really popular off of their ice cider, which we have a little mm, bit in yep. that in that uh, fridge there. Um, but this one, what I found, she, she was recently on a podcast on, uh, uh, man, I'm just forgetting forgetting everything right now. That's all right. Uh, Good Beer Hunting. She was recently on that that podcast and I listened in. And um, one thing I wasn't aware of that I learned about her process is, so she does all these beautiful, uh, you know, 750s, really high end, mm. like really beautiful ciders. Um and her issue was her distributors, uh, she be- I believe she distributes in many, many states. I don't know if it's all around the country, but um, she, uh, she kept the distributors like, can you please give us something that we can sell, <laughs> <laughs> you know, which is the 12 ounce can. And, uh, and this is her answer to that. Um, and one thing that I, I am super interested in, and I can't wait to find out more about it, um, is that she ferments on the pumice of the apples. Um, Defined which, pumice. Uh, it, yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's basically
0: the. It's the It's the grinding of the 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 it, leftover yeah. parts the, of the. Yeah. 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 After I, you press the apples, then out of the. Back end of the press comes pumice. Yeah. If you have a belt press, or I always get it like messed door.
1: up with uh, pumice.
0: Oh yeah, which is what volcanic uh, yeah. rock. Yeah, volcanic <laughs> so like, rock. Do I yeah. do I keep saying it wrong? Mm-hmm. But so that
1: appley characteristic that were that that's in this, uh, a lot of it supposedly um, is coming from that process of of fermenting on that. So actually, um, I'm using Mike right now as our guinea pig. Um, so I'm, next time he's pressing, he's going to steal some off the press
0: and get some of the pumice and do well from it. Oh, for yeah. We, we, I need to talk to you about that because I have an idea how we might nice. do something nice on that. Okay. Yeah. I feel bad because the sheep won't get uh, – we're not feeding the sheep. Well, there will be though. pumice afterwards, right? Oh, I mean, hopefully. Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'll be, just be alcoholic. And yeah. The yeah. sheep will be happy. Yeah. So, yeah. so we feed pumice to sheep in our operation. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I gave it to them as a side note the other day. I mean, having not pressed for the whole COVID era. Um, we started pressing again the other day and, and not having obviously any any apples because it wasn't the season. And man, those sheep about tore the freaking gate down. Nice. <laughs> they remember the older ones. Yeah, the, old the, ones, yeah. the lambs <laughs> don't know anything about it, they're just wandering around like, what the hell's going on here. Mom's gone. Yeah. But mom is over there just snarfing this stuff up. Yeah yeah so yeah so it's it's kind of got not a real strong nose but a little bit of nose to it a little mm-hmm. little tannic a little tannic note to it
1: nice like for me a nice mm-hmm. minerality um and then just that it just it honestly it's it's super apple like that's it that, is it is quite happily yeah. and yeah.
0: and not aptly like apple juice, where they put in you know fake apple flavor after taking all the apple flavor out. Yeah, um, but but aptly like a fermented apple should mm-hmm. taste, right? It, it's uh, it's it's something that takes a little um, tempering of expectations. A lot of people come into cider um, thinking it's going to taste like sweet cider which is really you know i mean that's just apples ground up and pressed it's gonna just taste like apple you know Mm. just like eating an apple it does taste different obviously Um, but this is nice kind of dryness not not a hint of sweetness Mm. not not too much yeah so it says
1: uh no sugar added but there's i think she stops her ferment short so Mm. there's a little bit of sweetness Mm. okay and that's that's for as you were mentioning before and and Mm. This is me being a little bit of, a, I guess, cynical or whatever. But everybody says they want a dry cider, but yeah. in reality, they want an off dry. They want a little bit. of... That's yeah, exactly. my personal experience. Uh, oh, I think you're dead on. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And to really, then for me, like where I where I stand is is is, you know, make a good balanced drink. Like make something crushable. No matter if it's a hundred dollars or. Or ten dollars. That's why I was so impressed with the French ciders. I haven't had much experience with it, but uh, the Chicago Cider Con I went to—I um, forgot how many years, maybe three years ago. Uh, there, you know how they bring in the yeah, yep, the, yep. Are you and you and uh, Sarah read that one? Yeah, uh, the one with the pink. The pink yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was my first time having French cider, and I was expecting this super dry because oh, it's your it's French, yeah. yeah. and it was super sweet, super tannic, really well balanced. Like, oh. Okay, well, if the French are doing it this way, you know? <laughs> um, so yeah, so I think, it, uh, and I'm fa- I'm fairly certain she stops her her ferment short. I
0: could be wrong, but um, in any case, there's yeah. some residual sugar. Mm-hmm. It's got a really nice. I think you hit it on the head. It's balanced. Mm-hmm. It's it's you know it's not super sharp, not really tart, um, but it's not a syrupy sweet by any means. I mean, or a bland. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think some of the modern ciders can get that way mm-hmm. to where, you know, I mean, it's it's a, it's a fact. We don't have a lot of, in the commercial apple world, the trend. You know, when I was a kid, Michigan was the variety state. You might have had 30, 40 varieties. Any given orchard probably had 20 growing. And now, God, if you got five, six varieties growing, you know, you're doing all right. Maybe wow. 10, maybe 10, you know, but it's all driven by what drives the fresh industry. And so... What drives the fresh industry, of course, isn't necessarily what we would like mm-hmm. to purchase if we were yeah. going to make cider with it.
1: Do you? This may be getting a little off cider. Do you see that changing? So one thing. So let me let me let me take a sidestep. One thing I realized in my first, the beginning, because we, we started having apples um, showing up at the cidery and, and Kyle has told me multiple times, like, hey, give it a shot. it's like, oh, it's super young. Mm. It's not ripe yet. But I taste and I'm like, oh, this just tastes like an apple I'd get at mm. every single grocery store I've ever shopped at. Yeah. And it's dawning on me that I probably have never had a truly fresh, ripe, ripe apple, apple, which yeah. makes me a little bit sad. Mm-hmm. What have I been doing for 34 years? <laughs> like uh, But, um, you know, I think, one movement we're trying to do here at Wilson's is uh, get people back to the farm and, and, and make people realize that, hey, there should be a variety. There, there should be a variety of apples, like not just having four apples grown in an orchard or whatever. Is that, do you see that ever changing? Is that, that's way too big of a question.
0: But... No, it's not a big question at all, I think. In, in fact, you know, we were talking earlier about the craft beer thing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you'd have told me 20 years ago, that it's not always going to just be Miller, Budweiser, and Michelob, you know, in our lives for, for choices for beer, mm-hmm. and there's going to be this whole resurgence of local and regional breweries with a wide range of, I mean, almost a, a, a overabundance of varieties, you know, coffee, stouts, and triple hopped, and, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. I would have I laughed at you, you know, So I think it's up to consumers because consumers at the end of the day tried these different beers and they said, we like this to the point where they drove the sales completely towards craft beer. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. all the growth in the last 10 years is pretty much in the beer industry. It's pretty much been craft beer, which is now leveling off. But nonetheless, it's taken, I don't know, I'm thinking 20, 25% of the market. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's up to consumers. If they want to have apples that are picked immature by design, shipped across the country or sometimes around the world, um, and and they're crunchy. You know, that's the, I, I've said before, crunchy is the new red, right? It yep. used to be that you had to have an apple that was redder and redder and redder. Now it's all about focus groups say they want crunchy. So let's yep. make them, let's break their damn teeth when they eat them, yep. right? So if that's what people want, then that's what they're going to get. But if people say, no, I actually want some flavor in my fruit or in my cider, then that's what will happen. And, um, you know, we're a little dimple in the apple industry, a little tiny, tiny dimple Mm -hmm. in the apple industry. But us and others are starting to say, hey, it's more important to look at not shelf life or not necessarily break your teeth crunchiness, of course, we we do grow a lot of crunchy apples, but um, there's some apples that aren't that are decidedly uncrunchy. Snow sweet is one mm-hmm. um, that properly ripened. It's unbelievable. I mean, you can taste mango or sometimes banana or sometimes it's just like I don't know what the hell that tastes like, but it's just freaking phenomenal, mm-hmm. right? Properly ripened uh, fruit fruit has that, and I think it's the the, the same thing as craft beer. It's like when people decide that that's what they really want, then they'll drive the industry towards that. And it hasn't happened yet because I subscribed to all the Apple trade rags. and um, And what's the emphasis right now is still on yield, yield, yield. You know, production, production, production. Or drop your labor, drop your labor, drop your labor. You know, instead of saying meet consumer interest in flavor. Because if you read carefully a lot of the stuff that comes out about focus groups and stuff, what consumers say they want is flavor in apples. Crunchiness, yes, but flavor also. Yeah. And that's that's just forgotten. So do we have to say we're never gonna get there? No, I don't think so at all. I, I think I think it's up to consumers. So I mean if 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 people want to get uh, apples that really taste like apples should that are really you know I mean one way to express them is through fermentation maybe but yeah. but really you know for me an apple aficionado um, you eat a Macintosh let's say fully ripened on a tree I mean you just can't imagine how apples can get a lot better than that or a, especially a Jonathan I like tart apples so a Jonathan just perfectly ripened on the tree my god it's just like that's what an apple should be, you know. It's not break your teeth crunchy. It's just freaking, you know, almost uh, orgasmically good. you mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's what I try to do for for <laughs> drinks. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, like the uh, we had some Nelson Pride. I think that's. I think I'm saying that name right. Um,
0: Williams Pride. Maybe. Williams
1: Pride. Yep. Generic white person name Pride. Yeah. 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, But uh, that was a more interesting bite in in terms of, I didn't know, because for me it was a little more like melony slash tropical. There Mm, there was those different fruit flavors going on. that was Yeah, I didn't know apples could do that. And and here I've been making cider for however long. This is one of the part of, for me, my personal journey is just like, you know, I, I can ferment, I trust that I can ferment the shit out of apple juice and make it taste damn good. But i don't know much about the varieties of apple or 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 the science behind it so that was that's the great thing about coming here Um, and the thing that
0: we we need to learn um as a company and and together is uh you know there are varieties uh that i think are just exceptional fresh apples Mm -hmm. you know they are they're just snow sweet is one example Mm -hmm. blondie is another uh, crimson crisp you know there there's apples that just when you eat them you say my God, you know, properly ripe, and that's just, a, that's a freaking interesting good apple. And because we're a you-pick orchard and, you know, we have customers coming in and we do a lot of apple sampling. Of course, COVID notwithstanding, um, we generally do. Uh, we get a lot of reactions and sort of, uh, you know, subjective feedback on these apples. And what we find is people that just say, God, I never knew an apple could taste like that. You know, it really is something. But then you take that apple and turn it into a cider; it may not make a very interesting cider. Exactly. You know that's been kind of really a surprise to me. Um, William Pride is an interesting one, um, and that was out of this uh, uh, disease resistance breeding program where they're trying to disease trying to breed out susceptibility to apple scab, which is the worst disease in appledom. Um, and I always thought, God, it's an interesting apple because the 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 skin, whether it's actually physically thick, I've never put a micrometer on it or something, but it feels like a really thick skin. Mm-hmm. But underneath it is a really interesting flesh. So I thought this is a perfect apple for making hard cider because mm-hmm. we should get some some sort of tannins or some kind of bitter notes out of that skin to blend with that really sweet uh, flesh. And uh, and we did it a couple of years. I just we've never produced something that I think is up to the no. Up to the fruit itself, hmm. so we got to keep going on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's our uh,
1: crab apple situation here, Wills? Pretty dire, pretty yeah, dire, pretty dire. So
0: next topic. No? <laughs> no, I mean it's 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 a sad but true truth. Um, crab apples number one. Um, the one we really like is Dolgo Crab, just because it's been a a great. And we used to have a little row here. I don't know, it was like fifteen trees or something, semi dwarfs, and we'd pick. Uh, A fair few. I love to eat them. I like tart, um, and and it's a Mm pucker-me-up kind of apple. But it makes a really deliciously um, red—you tried some, right? The the sweet cider from it is to kill for. I Mm -hmm. mean, it's just gorgeously good. Um, But when we— sacrificed two acres of land for strawberries. Mm. Unfortunately, that was where the Dogos went. And then we grafted over a bunch because we knew we liked them. Um, and those particular trees, the rabbits ate. So, you know, we, we believe we should exterminate all rabbits from the face mm-hmm. of the earth. Yeah, Make some good uh, get it up at Rapid Creek. Yeah, there you up. go. <laughs> yeah. Rabbit leg. Uh, yeah. Super whatever. Yeah. But um, so we've now resuscitated those initial rabbit-eating plants and are planting to plant them out, but dogo is one. Um, We have another kind of quirky variety. Um, We have some wixom. We have um, uh, some Geneva crab. Uh, We have one that's just a I'll be interested in your uh, use of. So we grow a variety called crimson gold, which is related to crimson crisp. It's out of this disease-resistant program about the same time, about third week September. Uh, about with Jonathan's and they're good apple it's not a great apple it's a good apple Um, crunchy sweet and so but we had about a half a row that we could get trees of and we planted them out in I don't know way back when 2010 maybe and they grew well and then I said well we should really fill that row out so I plant I ordered enough to fill it out and we got them we planted them and of course you wait three years and all this other thing Jesus Christ, that's a crab apple. That's not a real apple. (laughs) Turns out there's a crimson gold crab apple, and that's what we got. And uh, we made a cider with it the first year, and it is as clear as this water. I mean, it it just fermented, and it turned just completely clear and had all the character of a a kind of a slightly on the fruity, maybe a Sauvignon Blanc or something like that. It's just like a white wine. It's Mm -hmm. really a white wine-type cider. So... So there's that one to mess with, and we do have a fair amount of them, half a row worth. Um, and but I'm super interested in getting back in the Dogo program because mm. I I miss them
1: greatly. Yeah, that that was uh, Nick didn't tell me what he was handing me uh, the other day because uh, we were getting ready for apples coming in, so we were reorganizing the uh, the cold rooms there. And I was like just expecting because we were we were filtering, so I thought mm. this was the final blend of um, I think we were doing. Uh, honey crisp. So I'm expecting a, you know, semi sweet cider mm. to enter my mouth. and It was a just straight up fermented Dolgo. And I was like, Whoa, <laughs> And I was like, we, we were honestly, you know, thinking of maybe blending it with our, um, that wild ferment, doing something with mm. that wild ferment, bringing a up nice. a little yeah. bit, just playing with it. It's just as we have, cause that was the first question to Kyle is how much do we have of this? Like, when am I getting this next? And unfortunately the rabbits are going to make that a little more difficult. Um, so, so butts? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Given that we have so little, um, and we I think we only have thirty gallons sitting in sitting on in the beverage barn. Um Really want to? I want to do something fun with it, but I just don't want to just on a whim go. Ah, oh, blend it with that will be good.
0: Well, we better do something or drink it, one or the other. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, uh, when when's the way sailing normally? That'd uh, be yeah January February. Yeah. yeah, that'd be a fun thing. Yeah, for that. <laughs> So what is the
1: process? I know we're getting away from alcohol with all my questions, but uh, so we have a nursery here. Yeah. Correct. And that's that's where you're grafting, basically? We do some, Yep. Okay. I mean,
0: and that's a new program for us. We've only done it about three years. Before that, we always bought all of our trees. But okay. But three, four years ago, we started doing some grafting in the winter. Mm-hmm. Just because it's getting so hard... You know, it, it, in, in Appledom, you have a couple of options if you're a commercial grower. You can buy trees that are really nice from the West Coast. You mm-hmm. know, Willow Drive or Adams County, or, or not, yeah, Adams County in the east, Willows Drive in the west. Um, or there's so many other Vanwell and stuff like that. There's, and these will be you know like five, six foot tall. They'll have feathers, they'll have branches on them already. And, uh, and you can buy them, and they're like 10 bucks, right? Mm-hmm. With the uh, patent and royalty rights and stuff all up. Or, but that's going to give you Galas, Honeycrisp, John of Gold, you know, maybe Snow Sweet if you're lucky. Um, but if you want to move into, you know, Golden Russet or uh, even Gold Rush or whatever, you're really looking at small nurseries, and the trees are going to be, you know, they're going to come to you, and they're generally like two, three foot tall. They look like the, the, the weak lamb that's going to die. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just straggly, three eighths caliper. They're, they're just, you know, they're shit trees. Is mm-hmm. what they. Let's just call a spade a spade. Mm-hmm. And, um, so you know, what are you going to do? And, and and by and large, you you, you, you either buy that scruffy. Uh, you know, Roxbury Russet from XYZ Little Nursery, or you graft them yourself. So we've just decided to start grafting some of that ourselves. And we have most of the wood, you know, because Mm -hmm. we have those trees growing. We just don't have enough of them. And so, yeah, that's the program. And then that lets us – the other problem is, of course, with an apple tree – you have a combination of a rootstock that determines the size and to a certain extent the disease resistance of the tree and the cyan which is the ultimately the the determinant factor in what the apple produced is Um, and you go to xyz little nursery you're probably going to get one rootstock choice whereas if we graft them ourselves we can we can match all we want this is a, a vigorous growing variety, so we want to throttle it down with a really size controlling rootstock, or this is a really wimpy grower like Gold Rush or Honeycrisp, and we want to really give it some push with a stronger rootstock. Okay. So we can make those choices.
1: And you know, with the derecho coming through and and doing that weird thing where, what every other tree, yeah, uh, one was snapped at the at the union there. Um, are those roots there? Like, are they just done or can we use that they'll as come a rootstock? Yeah, oh, they'll, they'll come up. Okay. We could graft onto them. Okay, cool. Yep. Interesting. Yeah.
0: Um, they should come up. It, it really depends on, you know, I mean, we're at the time of the year when the trees are all saying, let's get this fruiting shit out of the way and let's send resources back into the roots. Okay. So if they haven't had enough resources sent back into the roots for storage, then they're probably toast but okay. more than likely they're going to come back with something in the spring and we could graft onto that so it's just going to regrow naturally and then when you see it's trying to grow then you can put in that's, yep. that's
1: where you put the scion yep in? Okay. exactly yep
0: interesting. we'll pick like it, it'll probably shoot up like three or four or five or six or a zillion shoots and we'll pick one of them or two of them graft onto them and then let them grow up and then pick one of them yeah interesting
1: next level stuff man yeah i, I just <laughs> I had mean, east <laughs>
0: yeah but that yeah i mean we are we are kind of sucking wind in in that where we had just a lot of trees that snapped right at that graft unit especially the geneva rootstock geneva is a series out of obviously cornell geneva uh, new york and um, designed to be or developed to be disease resistant especially to a fairly major bacterial disease called fire blight and um, they just seem to have really weak graft unions. You know that's hmm. where that's where we saw a lot of snapping. Was Interesting. Even Geneva Eleven, which is not supposedly, it, it's not notorious for that. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. So, but yeah, if you got nothing better to do, you can see our our uh, video on that and check out all of our devastation and uh, and then just grab you a damn cider yeah. and drink just- with us because uh, you know I mean there's. Nothing to soothe the pain of a derecho better than a nice cider. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's about a wrap. What do you think? Sounds good to me. All right. Oh, yeah, I got a little got cider. A little got a little there left. You know? All right. Well, in China, they uh, they have an expression which is, uh, well, we won't do that. They, they say ganbei. Ganbei, ganbei. means uh, bay is beza, which means uh, like glass. And gan is dry, so that's uh, instructions to that just... Chug her down, but let's not do that with this one (laughs) because it's a nice (laughs) cider. Cheers! Cheers. Yeah, cheers, Paul. All right. Well, listen, everybody. Thanks for tuning in and uh, come back see us again. We're gonna get Greg on here often for sure. Um, We'll be talking about the successes many, failures few, of our unending quest to look at how to pull the best of our apples out into a hard cider and. uh, you know, support your local cideries. You know, the, the beer guys get all the credit, but I mean, you really <laughs> got to get out there and support some cideries. So do your best. Drink a cider. Enjoy life.